Oh my goodness, you crazy son of a bitch. Do you have any idea what you've just done? You've just discovered the Marks and Lestrap Show Podcast Hour. This is the show that may or may not be an hour long based on your perception of time and how much I've got to say. So strap yourselves in and prepare your ears for the journey of a lifetime with your host of the Martin Lestrap Show podcast hour, me, you idiot. Welcome everybody to the Martin Lestrap Show podcast hour. This is episode number 167 and it's been, it's been a little while, I think, since I've done a, a since I've done some sort of an episode. I, I talked about last week on, or I don't, I don't even know if it was last week, but on one sixty six, I talked a little bit about how I've I've been a little bit inconsistent with the podcast, primarily because I'm working on uh, getting my my next book out into the world, Dolph the Unicorn Killer, and other stories. So I've been spending more time wearing my publisher's hat which means I've had less time to podcast, but I'm doing a podcast today and I I couldn't I couldn't possibly be more excited to do this podcast because well first of all I'm not podcasting alone. If you've already read the intro, then you know that I'm talking to somebody. Chances are you have no idea who the fuck I'm talking to, but that's the purpose of this podcast because my 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 guest today, my friend who's sitting with me today, you absolutely should know who she is. That's why she's here. That's why she's on the podcast. This is going to be the first of many appearances. This is just the, the very first one. Her name is Justine. I'm going to, I was going to say your last name, Justine, and then I realized I don't want to fuck it up because then all of a sudden I'm the asshole who fucked it up on a microphone. So go ahead and help me out. What's your last name? I mean, there's not much to fuck up. It's Gorny, not I... to be confused with like corny or horny. Or. Sigourney. Oh, that's a good one. I didn't even think of that. That'll be my mnemonic device okay. is Justine Sigourney Weaver, except not Sa Weaver. <laughs> that's perfect. <laughs> okay. Is, is there like a, because the spelling of it, I think that's what throws me off. Is it like, spell your, spell your last name. It's for just G-O-R-N-Y. Why the fuck? Do, okay. If I, if, if, if I were like on Jeopardy and I had to spell it, I would have spelled it. I would have started with G-N- Oh, you cute. I don't know what the fuck I would have done. In my head, it was, okay, so now that we're talking about it, I realize there's no reason I, I, I could have or should have fucked that up. So Justine Gorney. Yes. Easy enough. All right. Well, we've got that. All right, Justine. So so here's the thing. I moved to Las Vegas in uh, November of 2015. I, uh, Chanel and myself, we, uh, we, 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 Left uh, our we left our friends and family and most of our possessions in California, came to Las Vegas, and and, and you know kind of sort of started over. It's not quite that dramatic, but I guess it was a little bit dramatic. But part of starting over in Las Vegas is we didn't fucking know anybody. It was just uh, it was just you know Chanel and myself just sort of you know pulling up stakes and starting over. But in the last uh, we've been here for almost two years. And she and I both have been very, very lucky to have met some very, very cool, nice, wonderful people that she and I are, are, we're both very happy to call them our friends. You may not realize this, but you're on that list. 
Oh shit! Your I know, like, because you're you're thinking to yourself, I wonder who's on this <laughs> yeah, list. Yeah, I was like, that sounds like fun. I wonder who helped them start over. You're on the list. You're one of the wonderful people that's helped us kind of build uh, our own little, you know, social community here in Las Vegas. What an honor. Thank you. The honor's mine, but uh, (laughs) you're welcome. So, so that's, that's part of the reason you're here. The other part of the reason you're here is that you're, you're, you, you're one of my favorite people. A, you're one of my favorite people in the world. All right. B, you're one of my favorite people that I've ever met because I have favorite people who don't know that I exist, but you're not one of them. You actually know that I exist. <laughs> and uh, see, I've, I'm sort of making this all up, but it's true. So you are one of my favorite people. You are one of my favorite people that I've ever met. And every time we hang out and shoot the shit, I feel like we're doing a podcast. Oh. And then whenever we're done talking, I had that feeling of like, fuck, where were the microphones? <laughs> The world will never hear this conversation, and it's a shame. So, we are writing that wrong today. Uh, today's your, your first visit on the podcast, but uh, but I've already told you, and I technically I think I told the audience, this is going to be a, a very regular thing. And um, But to get things started, as I do with... Because, uh, you know, I, at this point, we've, we've had a... Some of my other Las Vegas friends, you actually know who they are, uh, including uh, Gary Lopez and the very mysterious Paul. You've, uh, you've. Uh... Have I met Paul? <laughs> you know what? Uh, for the sake of this conversation, probably not. In <laughs> fact, you probably have no idea who Paul is. Not a clue. Um, but he might remind you of somebody who I'll tell you off the air. But otherwise, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you probably never met Paul. So uh, in both of those cases, especially with the, you know, with Gary, because he's been on the show a few times at this point, the first visit, uh, I want to help the audience get to know you in the same way that I know you, which is, you know, who the fuck are you? With all due respect. Also, when there's microphones, I kind of feel more obliged to, uh, to, to ask personal questions, not inappropriate, but, you know. Questions that might otherwise not come up in casual conversation, but when you're podcasting, it just makes sense to, to get into, you know, personal shit. Again, nothing, nothing, how about this? Absolutely nothing that you, if at any point in this conversation, Justine, there's something that you don't want to talk about, just, just, uh, just, just fucking shoot me an evil look and I'll figure it out. <laughs> I will. All right. I will. I believe you. I believe you. So we'll start with this. We'll keep it simple. Uh, where, where, oh, where, yeah, where were you born? Where'd you grow up? Because the idea is we want to get a nice biography of Justine oh, Gorney. Yeah. Okay. Well, I was born and raised in Las Vegas. Born at the good old UMC. That That is the... Uh, University Medical Center. I should probably know that. <laughs> Luckily, I haven't broken any bones yet in Las Vegas, but I feel like I should know about that. Okay. Okay, so you were born there. Yes. Um, uh, what year were you born? I, feel, I, I, I don't think I know that. Oh, man, 1990. 1990. 1990. That's a good year. Yeah, my dad said it was the best for sports, so I should have been good luck. <laughs> I could probably... Well, for his sports, he's an Ohio fan. Oh, sure, sure. I mean, I believe that. I have no idea, but I, I totally <laughs> believe that. Okay, so 1990, that's a good year. 
That uh, what month? June. June. Okay, so oh, did your uh, your birthday recently pass? Yes. That makes you twenty seven years old. Twenty seven. Here's the thing uh, that uh, folks don't really know about me. I'm not that good at math. <laughs> but you could have fooled me. I know. I didn't even know the answer. I considered for a moment. Let Justine think you're good at math. <laughs> but I said, you know what? I respect her far too much to pretend that I'm good at math. All right, so born 1990, June, 27 years old. So today, 27 years old, sitting smack dab in the middle of the illustrious Martin Lestrapso Podcast Hour Studios, but you weren't born here in June of 1990. No. I mean, you were born in this city, but not in this not studio. Not in the studio. But you got here somehow. You were born in the University Medical Center and somewhere in Las Vegas. <laughs> I think that's what it's Something, I don't for. know. I... <laughs> I'm also one of the worst locals you'll ever meet, but I'm very <laughs> proud to be a local. Yeah, okay, we'll definitely get into that, because that's something that I talked to, to Gary Lopez about. And any time that I talk to a local... Like a genuine, like I get at this point, like I like I'm a local because I live here, but the the locals who were born here, they're 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 rare. So it's always I'm always very interested to talk to, to, to talk to them. So talk to me about um, a little bit about actually growing up in Las Vegas, your experience of whatever. Let's start with I don't know. It was hot. Was it? Yes. So it's always been hot. Always, always, always. This isn't uh, this isn't a, a, a climate Un- change for killing the planet thing. This is just it's, it's always been hot. Always. Okay. Or as I like to describe Las Vegas summer, stupid hot. <laughs> it is stupid hot, but but when I was a kid, we did have the original Wet and Wild, and my mom was working for for one of the properties out there, so we were able to go often and. That made it more fun. But other than that, you're just trapped kind of to your neighborhood. <laughs> your mom, if I remember correctly, does she work on the strip? Was that part of her background? Uh, she does not work on the strip. She worked in Jean, but now she works at the cannery, which is down the street from my house. So okay. it's all just convenient, sticking close to home. She's a, a local born and raised, too, so she just fucking hates the strip. <laughs> she would have never worked there. That makes sense. Okay. I must be. I might be confusing you with uh, anybody. Who knows? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, you know what it was. Here's what it is. Okay, because uh, you told me a story about your mom and uh, specifically about uh, your mom's philosophy about uh, if you see somebody famous, don't fuck with them because they're they're living their life. Absolutely. And I think in my mind, I connected that to she worked on the strip. But either way. Um, well, oh, well, because she didn't work on the strip, there were still a lot of celebrities who didn't want to deal with the bullshit yeah. um, who would go off to their casinos. I mean, they weren't big time celebrities. A lot of Louis Anderson came a lot. And, <laughs> <laughs> but I would still want to approach Louis of Anderson. Course. Like, I have to. Of course. Why wouldn't you? Exactly. He's but adorable. she's right. He doesn't give a shit about me. So I just walk the other way. He, he does. Get, here's the thing. He absolutely gives a shit about you. <laughs> and the Louis Anderson I know, because I've never met him, but the, the Louis Anderson who I've conjured in my imagination that I that I somewhat saw on Family Feud, but also saw on doing stand-up on the A&E's Evening at the Improv before there was Comedy Central. I'm sure I saw him on there. And that's the Louis Anderson I know, and he would 
totally give a shit about you. And if you went to talk to him, he would be so fucking nice. There might be a part of his brain that was like, he's a nice kid, but I'm just trying to fucking live my life in Las Vegas. <laughs> so he would have been nice to you, but your mom is probably also right. That, yeah. Uh, he's, he probably more appreciates that you're letting him letting him alone even though uh, even though you and i both know that the next the next person who sees him is going to say hi <laughs> but it wasn't you and your mom's not wrong exactly about that. i can still be proud with the fact that it wasn't me <laughs> all right so um honestly there's a lot that i want to talk about <laughs> that's what that was i'm trying to, i'm trying to, i'm trying to decide where where we start um Let's start with this. Some of our, some of my favorite conversations that I've had with you are about TV, because uh, you and I both have uh, an absurd sort of unreasonable love of nothing of television. can be unreasonable when it comes to television. <laughs> and and so okay, so I let me think. Um, I think I think it started when we both learned that we both loved Buffy the Vampire Slayer, so that was awesome, and then. There was this one hilarious, for, for me, hilarious. You probably didn't even realize it's a funny memory for me. Um, I was watching Glee. <laughs> and I was completely unaware that you saw me watching Glee. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then you said, <laughs> I remember it because it's hilarious. Because you said, uh, I respect you more every day. <laughs> And it was so sweet, but I had no idea what you were talking about. <laughs> and then I realized I'm watching Glee. I was like, "Is she talking about Glee?" <laughs> and then, uh, and so then I, and then so then so we had Buffy, and then apparently we both love Glee. That is uh, a sick, sick love of mine. And then um, I don't know if I know I love Dawson's Creek. Do you love Dawson? Was that a thing? I honestly never fully watched it. I had a really good friend who was wholeheartedly obsessed, but he was like a beefy macho man. Mm -hmm. So when he said, I love Dawson's Creek, nobody took him seriously. (laughs) But he would beg me to watch it with him, and I would occasionally, but really it just, Dawson's kind of a bitch. (laughs) That's that's fair. You're not you're not wrong about that. That's totally fair. I was, I was. Uh, I mean, I loved the show and I loved the cast, but I just had just like a just like a huge, just un, 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 I was gonna say unreasonable, but you said not unreasonable, not embarrassing because I don't mind saying it out loud. Uh, Katie Holmes slash Joey Potter. Holy shit! Just my world revolved around her. I would have. She was, I, I st- even now, like when she was like married to Tom Cruise for that five minutes. That scared me. I'm terrified of Tom Cruise and I really thought she wasn't going to make it. I, I, here's the funny thing. I love Tom Cruise and I didn't think she was going to make it. <laughs> <laughs> but so, but so when she married Tom Cruise, like for me, the, 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 I think I was like maybe 18 when Dawson's Creek premiered. So, so yeah, I'd been in love with her for, you know, many, many years. So I was, and so when I saw so when she married Tom Cruise, I was like, uh, obviously, obviously Tom Cruise would marry <laughs> Joey Potter because well, he's the biggest movie star in the world. Why wouldn't he marry Joey? That made sense to me. I'm, but anyway, oh, here, here's what I was getting at, though. So eventually, based on our TV discussions, you, you started telling me a story about, uh, I, I believe, I don't know if it, maybe it was an episode of Ellen, 
or it was an article on her website or a blog or something where she listed TV shows. And then you made it your life's purpose to watch every show on that list. Does this sound familiar? Yes. So like the After Ellen website, just different TV shows and everything. I want to watch them all. Yes. Okay. So so tell me, uh, I, I was purposely leaving out details because it's your story to tell. Uh, tell me about uh, the list. Tell me the significance of the list. Uh, and then, then about how you actually sort of endeavored on this journey. <laughs> Man, I don't even quite remember how it all began, but I just really wanted to see a good queer character in television and stumbled upon the internet as one does. And I'm not like a very good millennial, so the internet is still kind of, I don't know if that should go on the podcast. It's kind of a secret. Um, I'm terrible at this kind of thing. So I just kind of Googled good queer TV and there's lists out there, Martin. There is actual lists, and people have done all of the work for me. So after Ellen had one and described everything, and that's how I got into Buffy the Vampire Slayer, way too old. <laughs> um, that's how I found Glee. Like, before, I just wasn't aware of anything and was just re-watching the same bullshit. I don't even know mm-hmm. what I was. I don't. I don't think I was living... <laughs> I wasn't allowed. Oh, it was all the L word, basically. But that's that's cool. But there's more out there. Especially now, I, there was definitely a time where the L word was 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 uh, it was it wasn't literally the only thing, but it was sort of the only thing. If you were looking for the only soul, like it was the the only purpose where you knew not all of the lesbians were going to die. <laughs> that's that's my fear. And you know what? Because I. Um... Uh, so I'm so I've got a few years on you. You were born in 1990. You were alive when Ellen had her sitcom, but it I'm almost it probably wasn't in your consciousness. So so when Ellen had her sitcom, it's called Ellen, creatively enough. Um, I in fact not only was I a fan of the sitcom, I was a fan of Ellen because I love stand up comedy. I probably right. saw her on Saturday evenings on whatever thing that whoever had stand up. And I always thought she was terrific. So then, but she wasn't, um, you know, she wasn't, uh, she wasn't out as a lesbian. Of course, in retrospect, you watch her old stand up. You're like, how did Duh. I not? <laughs> but at the time it was like, well, no, whatever. She's just, uh, whatever. She has a chic haircut or something. I don't know. She likes collars and jeans. <laughs> <laughs> so I loved her stand up. And then when she got a show, I was like, oh, cool. That's the stand up I like. She's got a show. And I, it was, I was right around 1996, I believe. When she, so she first, I don't remember exactly how she came out. I mean, it, it was, it was intentional. She was, it wasn't like a tabloid or anything. Um, but she, so she came out, you know, in terms of say, whatever, maybe. She, I, it was on the show. Yeah. Like she did it on the show as well, but she came out first. So then it was like, okay. so On the Time Magazine. Yep. So, I'm gay. So when, so she, so we know that she's out. And then, but now she's she's got this show where she's still playing, uh, you know, a heterosexual. Like she had like romantic love interests with guys and stuff. So then, so then they then they wove that into the the storyline of her coming out. So I remember that very well. In fact, the coming out episode was, uh, I, I think I've only seen it like once, but my memory of it is just fucking outstanding. I remember Oprah. I mean, they had a lot of famous people on there, but Oprah's the only one. I, I, she's the one that I remember. And then it was like it was all very cool. And then five minutes later she was like banished from entertainment. Like she was untouchable and she wasn't on TV anymore. There was like nothing. 
And then, um, then I think right around the, during the time she was out, there was, you know, I think a Will and Grace came along. I think there was Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. Probably the L Word came along. And little by little, you know, because TV has, you know as well as I do, has got a, a wonderful ability to affect culture in both negative and positive ways. But It does. Definitely. It just bring people together. So it's all of a sudden you have Will and Grace on NBC, a broadcast network that gives you Seinfeld and Friends and Cheers and shit. And now they're, they're showing you gay characters who, uh, you know, by design aren't, aren't going to scare somebody who maybe lives in the Midwest and doesn't, you know, has never met a gay person. But now they've got them in their living room. It's like, oh, well, they're, 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 they're kind of delightful. And then, then along that same line, you know, Ellen started making sort of a, I, I don't think, she started doing stand up again. And then that eventually led into her daytime talk show. Uh, and, and, and then, then that would lead into, um, she had a stint uh, hosting the Academy Awards. And so and, and I think maybe just because I'm, I'm a fan of hers and I'm a fan of television and I'm a fan of television and culture and how these things, how they're, how, even though it's sort of, I don't know, sometimes it gets a bad rap for just being this thing that people do when they waste time. It can be a really powerful cultural thing. And so when I look at Ellen's whole arc of like stand-up, TV show, came out, banished, came back, got the biggest talk show in television for the last, I don't know how many years, to where she hosted the Academy Awards in a tuxedo and didn't, and didn't you know, and, and not only that, she hosted the Academy Awards in a nice tuxedo, and the fact that she was gay had nothing to do with the show. Nothing. And so, and so, and the fact that that had nothing to do with the show, for me, was just beautiful cultural progress. It was just, just a, a, a delightful person hosting a show, happened to be gay, had nothing to do with it. So, so long-winded way of, I don't know, whatever, me talking about TV and culture. But in your case, and so before, how about this? So before, before you went on After Ellen, that's the website? Yes. Before you went on After Ellen, before you saw the website, uh, at what point in your journey did you, did you sort of have, I don't know, realizations about your own sexuality, personality, um, whatever, identity? I was about three years old. I've never really had a crush on a dude. I mean, there's been some attractive ones out there where it's like, okay, that man's pretty. Mm -hmm. But my life has always revolved around women. Always. Was there... Um... All right. So w was there a point where, like, say, in terms of... Uh, I don't know. I think it probably helps. I imagine. And I'm just fucking talking... <laughs> <laughs> out my ass i imagine it helps that that uh, you you were able to come of age in sort of a time where things were moving in a better direction um in terms of the cultural uh if not outright acceptance more tolerance than there was say when i was growing up uh and people before i was born you know um but that said was there was there a point where like internally you knew it but then externally when you you had to kind of put like words to it and maybe, you know, communicate like at what point, I, I don't know, like was, I guess here's what I'm asking in my experience. <laughs> Cause I grew, I was born, I was, I was born in 77, but I have no memories of the 70s. So like I grew up in the eighties. 
So um, if somebody was gay, coming out was like a really big part of their life. Like it was, it was, it was a very, it was a, it was a very common part of the, of the, of, it was almost, almost to the, almost to the point of cliche that right. if you were gay, there was a time when you had to come out. Um, as a millennial, did you ever have that moment or did, was that even necessary? So I personally have never felt like it was quite necessary, but I did have that moment growing up. I knew I liked women. So there was a phase where I was like, dang, does that mean I'm a boy? So I just started kind of acting more like a boy, <clears throat> dressing more like a boy, cut my hair off, wasn't quite sure. But then I did see media and I think it was like a, Terrible movie, but Kissing Jessica Stein was on, like, <laughs> Bravo one day, and I was like, oh, that's something there. So then from there, it just kind of grew, and I was like, okay, I'm definitely a girl, and I do like other girls, so what's that called? Then I found, like, lesbian is totally a thing, and I was like, that's what it is. That's cool. So from there, I just kind of accepted it and never really felt the need to go into detail with anyone else because... I'm not sleeping with them, so there's no real need for them to know who I am going to go to bed with. Like yeah. my 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 rebuttal is always, when did you come out as heterosexual? So I don't know, but I did have a conversation with my mom because there was a whole domino effect of events where people just take things out of context and whatever. I should have told my mom, and I do regret that. I but... feel like we have to talk about these dominoes Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we will, but that's too long of a story. you got to get to know me first. Can't uh, go straight for the meat. Look look at you. It's your first podcast, <laughs> and you already know what the fuck you're doing. We will save that for another time, because uh, I totally trust you on that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and by the way, Kissing Jessica Stein is a lovely movie. It is a lovely movie, but from from the aspect of queer culture and what I like in a film, sure, the sure. ending's not quite what it should be. Oh, you know, you're a hundred percent right. So, so Chanel, I don't know if she she must have watched it before me because she loves it. She it must... was the first lesbian movie I ever saw, so I love it. Like of it has a piece of oh, my heart. But you're not. But that ending is not okay. You're not wrong. So we won't spoil anything for anybody who's not seen it. But <laughs> I like I agree that the so I I can almost imagine so like based based on the whole movie and based on the the gal I think the star also wrote it possibly mm-hmm. directed it. Yes, yes, yes. If I had to guess, and it's just a fucking shot in the dark, I can't even remember her name, so I don't know her. In my heart, that's not the ending she wrote. I I agree. In my heart. You're right. That ending was the compromise she had to make to get this movie produced. I'm thinking about her other works, and you may be correct, because she is just... Yes, okay. <laughs> Damn it, Martin. <laughs> Uh, I, I, I listen. I, I wasn't trying. I wasn't trying to. <laughs> no, that it. makes it better though, because I like when uh, the man is the bad person instead of. <laughs> okay, speaking of okay, I'm, here's something. Okay, we're gonna get back to you in a second, but um, oh fuck, what's it called? You know what movie I'm talking about? It's got Mark Ruffalo, mm. who I love. He's I think he's on my game out Rushmore. If he's not, he's going on there i fucking adore mark ruffalo i can't because of this movie <laughs> oh fuck okay it's 
The kids Jill- are all right. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I watched The Kids Are All Right. It's a great movie. It's a great movie, period. I'll end with that. But we get basically to the ending and Mark Ruffalo's character, when you get to the end of the movie, he's both the villain and they've shunned him. And I'm, th- and, but I'm like, but the movie I watched, he's not, he's not a fucking villain. This isn't fair. <laughs> this movie's way too fucking smart to make him the villain. This is, he's like outside. The, the, I think he's outside the family window and there's a family and the whole family's gathered together and he, they're inside, he's outside and they're all like, fuck you. And I'm like, what did he fucking do? Julianne Moore <laughs> fucked him, but they didn't give her shit. This isn't cool. I fucking, that's, listen, Mark, I want to talk to you. I want to, I want to let you know. Listen, I'm not mad at this family. I know there's a lot of complicated emotions going on, but you're not the villain in this story. I don't care what they fucking say. Oh man! I just never—it's—it's—it's. It's, it's yeah, the funny thing is, it's an opinion that I've had in my head, but like, I've never—I don't think I've met anybody else who's watched it. So it's just like an opinion I just had to like walk around with for years until now. <laughs> and that's a totally valid opinion you can have, and I will just stick with. I liked the Leisha Haley plugs of "Uh Huh" her in the movie. Her song was there, and the posters were on the wall. i think you told me about her yes yes help me out so she was alice piazeki on the l word um but before that she was a musician who dated katie lang in the 90s she was also in the audience in the ellen finale um is katie lang gay i mean i don't know (laughs) i don't know if she's ever officially said anything but okay you know that's fair i was just fucking around but i'm just (laughs) no 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 she is she has um, oh yeah, okay. she she was one of the first to to help with Ellen. She might have done it before. I don't know. I was a baby. That's cool. Um, I think she was on the coming out episode. Yeah, yeah. But Leisha Haley was also in the audience because she was dating Katie Lang. Uh, but she was just a musician with this fantastic band called The Murmurs that I happened to hear and see, and it just she's lovely. Did you meet her? I did, I did, but that is like a whole nother episode. A whole other, okay, you're so goddamn but good at I this. I know. We've got like two more episodes <laughs> that I can't wait for. Yes. All right, so back to you, though. Uh, I'll get off my Mark Ruffalo is the best soapbox for a moment. I can love Mark Ruffalo. <laughs> I want him to be my best friend. I want to meet Mark Ruffalo. I want him to be my best friend. We'll go like bowling and talk about whatever how he's not the villain and the kids are all right you know he he does a lot of good things for the world so i can't hate him too much like he helped bring solar back to nevada so blah 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 (laughs) good humanitarian gotta give it to him there uh and he's the hulk which is you know which is great as well i'm kind of terrible in that fashion too i don't care (laughs) <laughs> that's okay you know what that, that's okay because that that gives me a new project okay to help uh to steer you into to, to help steer you into the world of of uh comic book inspired movies and television shows but the good ones like i i, I watch all of them so like i'll know which ones are shit and not only that i feel like i i feel like i have an appreciation of your sensibilities so i'll sort of know like oh 
you'll like this. I, I feel like you do too. I trust you, Martin. And I'll 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 I'll, I'll give you a I'll give you a trigger warning up front. <laughs> there's no lesbians in this. <laughs> but I think you'll like it. All right, I'll give it a try just for you. All right, um, but that's it. Okay, so back to you though. So you're born and raised in Nevada, possibly in the university medical center, maybe. Uh, grew up, but what was uh, what was school like in Las Vegas? I, I imagine it's not too terribly different, but I don't know because I didn't go to school here. Um, I really liked elementary school. I was blessed enough to go to like the same school throughout. So I have one elementary school, one middle school, and one high school. Um, we just happened to move at like the perfect times. Uh, my elementary school was fantastic. It was just this tiny little school in the middle of a neighborhood, and there was like 15 kids to a classroom. Oh, wow. And like the teachers really cared. I think my kindergarten teacher was also like my uncle's kindergarten teacher. <laughs> and I asked her, could you please just try to teach until my little brother goes to school? I mean, she was pushing 100, but she did it. <laughs> and I feel like she did it just for me. But it could have just been a coincidence, because after my brother went to kindergarten, she retired. Um, but it was lovely. Middle school was kind of a culture shock, because we moved to a new part of town. And it was just a lot more fighting and not as, I guess, innocent. But I guess that could be just middle school in general, mm -hmm. too. Um, that was fun. I <laughs> was kind of an interesting kid. Very quiet at first. But like in that was the, my question, yes. actually. Go ahead. But in the sixth grade, like I got caught selling and buying gum, which I didn't know that was a crime. <laughs> but somehow that trickled down into something. My math teacher caught me, called my dad, and my dad thought it was hilarious, <laughs> but also took that as a moment to blackmail me into doing all the dirty work in the backyard if he didn't tell my mom. <laughs> but he told my mom anyways, and oh. they both thought it was funny. Then in the seventh grade, had lovely teachers who kind of brought like the real personality out of me and did teach me that I was fantastic. And I learned how to play craps and <laughs> <laughs> would gamble a little bit and, and make that money as, you know, just the little. Did the did the teachers teach you craps or you just <clears throat> learned that in? Oh, um, that would be cool if the teachers did Okay, teach I, I just me. wasn't sure if yeah, that Yeah, was... no, it was just the random kids. Because when you said it, my first, I was like, I guess that makes sense. If you go <laughs> to school in Las Vegas, Vegas yeah, of course they teach you crap. And I realized, <laughs> I don't think that's what she meant. No, I was kind of a chameleon and able to blend into any situation where no one would kind of recognize me. So I would just go into the group of kids who would gather in these circles throwing the dice. And I was like, what are they doing? Why are they walking away with money? So I took it upon myself to learn. And I did, had some fun, but one kid got offended and told my teacher <laughs> that turned into a fun time um, that she was one of my favorite teachers ever. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I think we sort of have, well, we have like a gazillion things in common. We've, we've both come to the realization that we both share a brain and that possibly we have the same parents. We just have to figure out which one of our parents was fucking around on the other ones. <laughs> but either way, because we, we're... we're We'll figure it out, but there's, very much, there's something. There's something there. Because uh, I was also, uh, I, well, I mean, I, I was quiet in school. I'm, I'm pretty much quiet now. About the only time I talk is on this podcast. But um, I, I sort of, I could I could sort of blend in with different crowds. And because I kept different company, like I, uh, in high school in particular, I was, uh, I was, I fancied myself an artist. And that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be like a comic book artist or just, 
draw, whatever, anything, make cartoons, anything that involved art. Like I wanted to do that. And uh, through like elementary school and actually through elementary school, I was usually, I was always the, the best artist in the class. So I, you know, I, I drew Ninja Turtles and Batman and, you know, couldn't fuck with me. <laughs> Got to junior high and then everyone's asking me, was like, oh, did you hear about so-and-so? And I'm like, who the fuck is that? And then it was like this other artist and then, you know, he was, like, I knew he was better than me, but, like, I wasn't going to say it out loud. And then we got to high school, and then there's, like, more artists. But, like, I took, I mean, I took art classes all through high school. And reasonably, I was I was probably reasonably, like, the third or fourth best artist in the school. Which isn't bad in retrospect, but at the time, it was like a dagger in my heart that I right. wasn't the best artist in the in the school but it was interesting so like because I took these art classes I had this very specific group of people who I knew and talked to and kind of hung out with a little bit but then I was also as a technicality I was a high school athlete I don't think of myself as an athlete but I was a high school athlete because I wrestled for four years so then I, I I was also friends with like a bunch of jocks and then then I had like my other friends who were neither jock or artist but they were just sort of my my friends and um who i just knew from going to class and stuff or i grew up with them so i'd have these different friends and so at any given time at school or you know i could be walking through the hall and i might you know strike up a conversation with like an artist here or a jock there or somebody in the middle there uh and you know like the jock i'm talking to right now he's kind of, he's in most any of the time he's kind of an asshole and if I wasn't uh, on the wrestling team, he probably wouldn't be very nice to me, but he is, so he's nice to me. Um, <laughs> but then, then I'm talking to this artist over here, but they probably wouldn't like the jock over there. And for whatever whatever place I happen to be in, like I, I don't even know if it's that I fit in so much as just whatever. Like uh, I don't know, people liked me, I guess. So um, I know I was, I was definitely going somewhere with this. Let's see, besides relating to you, artist. Oh, here's a story. Okay. <laughs> I don't even know if this is the point, but I think you'll appreciate the story only because it's interesting. So um, I am... Uh, um, so my mom's side of the family is Mexican. My mom grew up in California. I'm pretty sure my grandmother was like born and raised in California. I think my great-grandmother maybe born in Mexico. I should know that, but either way. She spoke Spanish, a little bit of English. I always kind of assume she was born in Mexico. Either way, <laughs> the moral of the story is my mom's side of this family is Mexican. My dad's side is Creole, which for a great deal of my life, I didn't quite understand what that meant. I understand now that Creole is mostly a, a culture based in Louisiana, and it's uh, genetically, it's... Um, I always... I always think of it like black and French and maybe some some Indian, maybe some other stuff, but mostly black and French. It's like my last name, Lestrat, it's a French name that comes from my dad's Creole side of the family. So, um, so I so I, so in high school, like I knew that I you know, was like Mexican and some black and some French and maybe some other shit that I'm not entirely aware of. Um, in fact, this isn't the story, but you might also find this interesting. There was a guy named Lestrat who was in France, and he either left France on his own or they kicked him out. I don't remember. It's a more dramatic story if they kicked him out. So we're going to go with that. They, they fucking, definitely kicked, they him, kicked out. him out of France, went to Louisiana. And I don't know exactly what order things happened in, but he had a slave plantation. And um, 
at least one of the slaves, probably more if we're being honest, yeah. at least one of the slaves um, he impregnated. And then that slave had a child, and then that child became sort of, uh, I don't know, we'll say like the first on the family tree that would eventually lead to like my dad's family. And then my dad grew up in Louisiana, went to California, met my mom in L.A., and then they met and they made babies. And eventually I ended up here talking to you. But there was a guy named Lestrade who got kicked out of France and went to Louisiana. In, in fact, in Louisiana, there's a landmark called the Lestrade's tree. It's a Lestrade's oak tree. You can look it up on the Internet. It's big as fuck. I have a picture, if I can find it somewhere, where I'm standing by the tree, I look like a fucking ant. Where the Lestraps <laughs> guy planted a bunch of seeds. I think my dad told me this story, like seven seeds for seven sons, but he put them all in the same hole. And they all just sort of like morphed into this huge, like Frankenstein, you know, oak tree. So anyway, that's just a little a little context for this wrestling story. So, where I grew up, I grew up in, a, in Rancho Cucamonga. It's a very nice city. When I was growing up there, it was... Actually, I think it even continues to be. It's very conservative. Um, very, it's 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 one of the, it's it's it almost feels like one of the rare like Republican conservative uh, communities in California because California is very liberal, um, uh, and I didn't know anything of politics, so I just I didn't I didn't really understand that when I was growing up there, and not that this has anything to do with conservative points of view but it was also kind of a racist city but I didn't know that either necessarily because I was in the middle of it so like just as an example um, a lot of the guys that I went to high school with white dudes some of them were on the wrestling team some some guys that I would even call my friends would in regular company very comfortably without any irony or insecurity whatsoever would drop the n-word in the conversation and it was just normal. And there was another guy on the wrestling team who I remember him as a nice guy, friend of mine, had a Confederate flag on his backpack. Um, but I think, again, partly because I was in the middle of it and partly because I didn't really know any differently, I didn't necessarily know that this might be kind of fucked up. So we were in the bus. No, it was a van going to a wrestling tournament. And there was, I don't know how many of us in the van. I'm, I'm trying to think, was the whole team on there? I don't think they were holding it on the van. Maybe we split up in two different vans. There's like six of us on this van. And in the back seat, there's a couple of guys. Again, guys in my memory are nice guys who I would call my friend. And they were making really offensive jokes about uh, black people. And then one of the guys was sort of doing... Uh, certainly an offensive impersonation of how he heard black people talk. And and I'm sort of uncomfortable, but I'm also like, well, I don't know, whatever. It's like I'm not, these I don't, know, I don't want to get beat up, so I'm just this whatever. This is just whatever. And then and the two coaches, head coaches driving, assistant coaches in the passenger seat. Finally, the assistant coach looked back and was like, hey guys, knock it off. And then the one guy says Come on, coach. Do you know that's how they talk? And the coach paused. And then he kind of laughed. He was like, <laughs> you're right. And he fucking turned around. Holy shit. And then they continued joking all the way to the tournament. And all the while, I'm thinking, like, the only... I mean, certainly they don't, they don't know the story that I just told Justine. 
But even if they did, I don't know if it would matter because I still had a complexion to myself. I wasn't like outright, you know, Caucasian, but they're so comfortable to make like really offensive jokes around me, which I think lent itself to the uh, the chameleon thing of, you know, uh, whatever. Somehow you said something that led me to that story. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway, that's kind of where I grew up and, and that sort of, I I'm certain that where I grew up and those people and some of those experiences almost almost 100% definitely molded me in some form or fashion. Maybe I'll have to go to therapy one day just to sort of completely tease out what effect they have. But I know they had some effect. Um, here's a thought, because I'm talking way too much for your episode. <laughs> um, do you have any experiences kind of sort of similar where you just sort of I don't know, experienced, I don't know, bigotry, racism, some shit that you were like, that's not cool. Um, Like, yeah. particularly in, like, high school. Yeah. I mean, in high school, there was a lot of insecure people who just didn't realize they were gay themselves, so made fun of me a lot. Uh, more so, I was big, 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 so they would constantly be like, you're fat, but my comeback was like... <gasps> Oh my God, are you serious? Thank you for telling me. I wouldn't have known otherwise. And they didn't know what to do, so they just laughed. But like my favorite memory, I mean, you shouldn't have a favorite memory of bigotry, but I think it's funny, <clears throat> is oftentimes when I walk down the street, people would mistake me for a male because I do have short hair and Whatever, not quite a girly walk, more so back in the day. I don't know. Now I have hips. It's weird. I don't know. But they would constantly just scream like faggot outside of the window to me. And I'm like, that's rude. You shouldn't do that. That is so mean. So one day I was walking to the gas station from the job I was at. And these dudes in the truck kept screaming dyke to me outside of the car. But they were going inside the gas station too. And I was just like... Oh my God, you know I'm a woman? Thank you so much for making my day. And they were like, are you serious right now? And I said, yes, have a beautiful day and just walked inside. <laughs> so there's been moments, but I just take them all with a grain of salt because people aren't worth my time like that. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of shitty people who aren't worth much of anything, let alone time. Let me ask you this then. Okay, so 2017... Um, so I, I don't, uh, I don't even know how I, how I positioned in this. All right. So like from the time I was really young, um, when I was a kid, particularly, particularly uh, in my family, um, I don't think anybody ever talked about, uh, homosexuals or the gay community LGBT wasn't even a term yet, or if it was, it certainly wasn't a mainstream term. And yet, I can't even tell you how or why, I was just aware of it. And I was aware of it in a way that I knew, I knew that it wasn't a big deal, and I knew that people shouldn't care. Actually, and ironically, because I grew up Catholic, and... And, uh, and, you know, I, I, I don't, I, I don't want to cast a blanket on all whatever religions, 
but you know, cat, you know, Catholicism in general, it doesn't, it you know, they would rather you not be gay. The I think that the, the new pope is cool. He was like, eh, you know, whatever. They're God's children or whatever. Um, but generally speaking, it's not you know not a high not a high opinion. But there was I, there was never extensive conversations as a kid, and yet growing up, I always just. It, in my heart, it was always like, I don't know. I, I, I don't want to say a cause because I feel like that would sort of like demean it. But just in my heart, I just knew that it wasn't a thing that the people should, that, that shouldn't be a big deal. And so even growing up and then maybe like watching talk shows and seeing stuff in the media, it would sort of start to like inform this opinion that I already kind of had. Um, uh, and even eventually when I wrote my, my first novel, which you were very kindly read freaking incredible <laughs> you you recently read the book and it and it made my heart blow up five sizes but it even, just turned me into a fangirl <laughs> uh well don't make me blush because people can't see it on the <laughs> microphone but even when i wrote inside the outside even though in fact even when i wrote inside the outside i very consciously i i, I consciously uh, included gay characters, and I very consciously included LGBT themes in the story. But I also very consciously made it not a big deal. Like the the main character was gay, uh, and two of the other main characters were gay. But the fact that they were gay was had it didn't actually affect the story. It was just they happened to be gay, and that was all things that I sort of did by by design when I was writing this book. So much so that you didn't even tell me. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. I didn't tell I you. I would have read it a long time ago. <laughs> that's that's one word to get me to read or watch anything. Which I recently learned, which I think is hilarious. I, I, I love this about you. So you, <laughs> you watch, uh, not only do you watch any like movie or TV show where there's is it like what it, the, the, is is like one, like if if there if there's a gay character is is that is that the is is that the litmus test or does it have to does the character have to have does it, do that to be a main character like, um because because I, I feel like every day you'll tell me about a new movie that you watch that I've <laughs> never heard of, and that you've never heard of it but, you whatever you read about it on. IMDB and you found out there was a lesbian in it. Yeah, too. currently what I'm doing is just reading the description of every single movie and if there's any indication that that there's a queer storyline somewhere, then I will give it a chance in hopes that it's good. And by give it a chance, you'll watch the whole I thing. I will. I mean, I'll hate it the entire time and be like, oh, the good part's coming. I know it is. And then just the credits roll and I'm so mad. But yeah, I'll watch the whole... There's like two movies I've had to stop completely because just the acting was terrible. It was... No, 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 no. Uh, nope. <laughs> um, I feel... Okay, so I... Uh, again, this is your episode. So I, I, in my brain, <laughs> I'm talking too much. I think I was... I, I feel like I was... Uh, what the fuck was I doing? I feel like I was making a point with the purpose of asking you something. But because of uh, full disclosure, uh, Justine and I uh, have no notes in front of us, so we're just we're just <laughs> we're just, <laughs> we're just kind of talking right now. So uh, I, I but, but this is a good thing because very often when I when I when I interview somebody or have a guest, I do a lot of preparation so I can so I can you know whatever. And with Justine, I was like, 
we we fucking we can talk for an hour without even trying. So which we're doing, but then the occasional downside is like, oh, what the fuck was I going to say again? <laughs> Did I have a thought that I was <laughs> that, that I was forming? That happens a lot. Um, okay, so I think I was just going somewhere in the direction of uh, from the time I was a kid, even though nobody in my family talked about it. Um, I just had sort of this internal, just sort of an intuition about, you know, I was very, I, I guess ultimately just very sympathetic to the, the LGBTQ. I always forget to include the Q. Because there was a time, when I think in my memory, when the Q wasn't there and then it got added somewhere. I, I always know. feel like I'm forgetting the letter, so I like to say like LGBTQIABCDEFG <laughs> just to be safe. And I don't know if that's offensive or not, but... <laughs> Uh, I, I, mean, I, I gotta cover them all. I love my family, but that's a little bit too long of an acronym, and we need to come together and just be like family. I don't know. Yeah, just uh, I don't. Actually, yeah, I think Chanel taught me about that. That the the family is actually a, a sort of an internal term. So now, uh, and then when I learned, you know, she taught me that because Chanel, um, when she was in school, she minored in women's studies. But specifically at the school that we went to, uh, the the women's study uh, program was heavily influenced by some uh, uh, really, really amazing, brilliant uh, lesbians who also taught. In fact, my uh, a couple of my English professors also were uh, very, very influential, both in the LGBT community, but also one of my professors in the 70s was a very, very heavily involved just in... Uh, just a lot of the, the political uh, stuff, shit, mess, nonsense. <laughs> the, you know, the, the, you know they, they were in the fight. So anyway, Chanel taught me about family, blew my mind. I was like, that's awesome. So now, like, if we're walking around the strip, uh, you know, we can be like, oh, some family over there. And, like, I get it. <laughs> I get it. I'm in. But anyway, uh, even to the point where, I mean, you, you, you're also kind enough that you listen to the show. Uh, I think even off the show, I'm sure we've talked about my gay Mount Rushmore. Uh, if we haven't, does that sound familiar at all? Yes, okay, yes, it thank does. Goodness, cause I, <laughs> cause I was like, if, I, if, if I've told nobody, if, 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 if not Justin, what the fuck, where did I, where did I lose out on this? So, uh, and and I do that partly, partly because it's true, because these are very handsome men who I admire, and uh, while I'm not gay myself, if you put me in a room with George Clooney. And, uh, and he locked the door and said, we've got to do this thing. I would be like, well, what am I going to not do this thing? That's exactly how I feel about George Clooney, too. <laughs> like, it just, I don't know. So let's see. Chanel probably knows the list better than I do, but it's like George Clooney, <laughs> Ryan Gosling, Brad Pitt, Mark Ruffalo, Robert Downey Jr. Uh, and right away, hopefully, as I run down this list, I want, I hopefully, you, Justin, and people in their heads to say, yeah, that is a good list. Do I, do I also have a gay Mount Rushmore? And hopefully the answer is yes, you do. Yes, you do. So partly I do it because it's true, and partly I do it uh, to sort of use a little bit of humor to diffuse. That it's like, it's, it's okay to be heterosexual and be like, that's a handsome dude. It absolutely is. Ron like White has one of my favorite bits about that and how everyone's a little gay sure because of the porn that they watch do you want the dude in your porn to have a tiny dick <laughs> no no you don't that's kind of gay <laughs> that that is uh that's that's 
He not, goes into more of the story. No, no, no. Listen, I was just thinking that should be a bumper sticker. <laughs> <laughs> That's distilled exactly where it needs to be. That's perfect. So anyway, fuck me. This, yeah, maybe next time we will have notes. But I feel, at this point, I feel like I'm wasting I your... I think we need it because we just get distracted and off topic. Like, and here, And here's the reason why I say it. First of all, you're doing a great job. <laughs> This is, has nothing to do with you. This me as a host, I feel like I'm wasting your time. No. No? Everything's a pleasure with you, Martin. It's All never right. a waste of time. All right. I mean, I, you're doing a great job, so I'm happy so with... So are you. Oh, I feel you. very I wasn't hosted. Fishing. I wasn't fishing, by the way. <laughs> I wasn't fishing, so thank you for that. Um, let's see. We, we've got... Uh, let, me, let me check the time. We're good. We, we've got plenty of time to keep talking, which is good. Because we want to learn more about you. So, um, without any uh, notes in front of me, tell me more about you, Justine. That's not fair. That's not a good question. Um, all right. How about this? What are... No, that's a bad question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, uh, okay, so he, I'll, give you, I'll give you some insight into sort of what I'm doing uh, as a host. I have very, like, I know what I want to talk about, and there's things that I know about you that I want to talk about, but I'd like them to come out organically in the conversation. So then just now, I was about to form a question, but I was like, that's too fucking obvious. I'm going to form a question. She's going to know I know the answer to the question, and then uh, then she's just going to pander, which is, not pander, that's, that's kind of negative kind of... <laughs> You're basically going to just sort of like go along with it because you're going to figure out what I was going for. But I don't want I don't want that to be that. Um, so I'll start with this. You and I both are, I think, by nature, very creative. And I think I know I know it's true for me and I'm pretty sure it's true for you that we're we're our most happy we're we're, we're most optimized as human beings when we're being creative. Uh, for me, that takes different forms. This podcast is one of them. Writing my books is the main one. Um, but even if I'm like, I, you know, for a while, I was fucking around and making memes. I don't know if I ever told you about that. No, I love memes. Here's, and... here's the thing. So <laughs> I, I have a, a secret Instagram page. Okay. My name's not associated with it. My face I tell no one about it because Chanel knows about it. Um, it's a secret page that was only for the purpose of making really offensive, savage memes that I didn't want my name attached to. Oh, that is fantastic. <laughs> and it was like, and, and I, I didn't need credit. I didn't want credit. It just was fun to do these memes. Um, so, so whether it's doing the podcast, writing my books, or literally making memes that I don't want my name attached to. <laughs> I just, uh, you know, I feel optimized as a human being when I'm being creative, and I'm, and I'm certain that's the same with you. So that said, what are, what are your creative outlets? That, I try just with talking to people, because I can't, I'm not too physically creative, which led to uh, making them laugh, because there's nothing I love more than seeing a smile on someone's face. Which led to me being a stand-up comedian in my head. <laughs> so that's kind of where I'm creative. Uh, but from there, it's really just talking to people. But now, I don't know. I felt inspired by various things, but definitely comedy. 
Tell me about your inspirations, and then we're going to move forward with this with this line, because I like where this is going. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of inspirations, but mainly, honestly, it's like Lucille Ball, Kathy Griffin. Those redheads, man, they got <laughs> something going for them. They really do. Um, but Lucille Ball, I was obsessed with growing up, like to the point where I wouldn't leave my house if it wasn't confirmed that I would be back in time to watch I Love Lucy repeats at 8 p.m. Um, and from there, I just really liked what she did and would try to do the same thing. So I've always just tried to make people laugh like that. And then Kathy Griffin came along with her abrasive attitude. <laughs> and Ellen DeGeneres, too, um, obviously, for many reasons. But just the fact that she went out and did it. And she was older whenever she started her stand-up career, too. Mm-hmm. So... It's, it's, there's always time. Uh, we've talked about this a little <laughs> bit, I, I, you know, for, because we have too much respect for the audience to, mm-hmm. to, to make pretend. Yes. But, <laughs> but we have talked about the, um, you know, well, we have a mutual love of stand-up comedy. You're, you haven't done it, but you're willing to. I'm it. willing to do it. Absolutely. Terrified, but willing. I would be. I'm, I just, I don't know. Because, see, I'm, I'm similar to you where, like, I grew up loving it. I, I mean, I loved it so much. I assumed everybody loved it. Yeah, me too. Like, it's literally my religion. And I'm like, hey, did you hear that new John Mulaney stand up? They're like, what the fuck are you talking <laughs> about? And I'm like, do you not like stand up comedy? <laughs> And then, then, and then you, they, they, you know, it's. I agree. It's weird, right? When they don't. <laughs> In fact, so again, you know, I, I was. There was okay. So stand-up comedy would come on Saturday nights. Um, let me think. Maybe like ten o'clock for about an hour, and it was like clips. You'd get like maybe or no no well uh, whatever. There was different shows, but uh, Caroline's evening at the Improv. Mm. I would watch that. In fact. Because my only, that's where I knew about the improv. So then I remember the first time, where I grew up in Rancho Cucamonga in the neighboring city, Ontario, they built an Ontario, they built an improv there. And I just, it was like, it it was, it was like, um, I don't know. I felt like I was like, like I was meeting the president. I was like, there's a fucking improv (laughs) in my goddamn neighborhood. This is crazy. And then, you know, the first time I saw it live stand up, it was all, it was like, it was like, you know, whatever. Like it, it was, it was like uh, whatever having having Jesus in your heart, and then going to church for the first time. Like, it was a wonderful exactly. like, stand up, and then going to a whatever. So so, and then I also remember when Comedy Central first became a channel, because when it was a channel, there was no. You would have loved this. There was no programming. It was just wall to wall snippets of stand up. So it'd be like five minutes of this guy and tell you his name and maybe the year and then then this gal and then this guy no programming just 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 endless rotations of stand-up and i was like this is like this is all i've ever wanted that sounds incredible this is all i ever wanted and so so i i love it i admire it i i fantasize about it but i've never i've never been driven to the point of actually feeling like i'm willing to go on stage and try it but you are which i admire yes. tremendously and even though, even though you haven't done it yet just talk to me a little bit about i don't know sort of the the drive and the inspiration that even has brought you to the point where because i mean at this point I, there's there's no there's 
there's nothing marked on the calendar. No. But there's a feeling, <laughs> but in your heart, like, does it's it feel like it's, it's inevitable, right? Yes. Talk to yes. me about that. Um, I don't know, honestly. So I have four brothers, and growing up, I mean, there wasn't a lot that we would connect with because boys are stupid. Um, but my brother Jacob and I, and even my brother Maverick, were like the closest in age and just closest in general. Um, would constantly watch like the blue collar comedy tour, <laughs> and that sounds so lame to say, but those dudes were hella funny when I was in middle school and like high school. So we would watch them on repeat. Ron White was my favorite because I'm a sucker. For old men. I hate men, <laughs> but I love old men with gray hair. He just had a scotch in his hand and his damn cigar, just telling stories about, like, his life. And I was like, this is great. I can definitely do that. So my brother and I would practice and wanted, like, our own. It was totally like a ripoff of the Blue Collar Comedy Tour. I think it was even called, like, White Collar, because we couldn't say we were, like, fully Blue Collar, not even knowing what that meant. Like, it was ridiculous, and we would just try to make everybody laugh. And then um, it fell off because my brother's stupid, and we just fought all the time, and nobody ever talked about it again, but I just would constantly listen to more stand-up comedies, would watch, like, Last Comic Standing, and was like, I can do that, mm -hmm. but never really felt comfortable talking to people in general or, like... Having friends, I don't know. There's a lot to me, guys. <laughs> um, and then I just started making more friends, and everyone's like, you're funny. And I feel like I have to do it at this point to prove to myself that I am as funny as people say I am. You are funny, by the way. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Thank see, you. See, part of what I was doing right now as a host, trying to be a good host, is you know giving my guest room to talk but then i also realized as a person as a friend this is probably a good time to validate what she's saying so it doesn't appear that i'm just like uh, by uh, ignoring it as if i don't agree with her yeah that's uh, just a little insight into my psychosis <laughs> psychology just now of what it's like in my brain yes yeah, so i don't know i just feel like it has to happen Kathleen Madigan was another huge inspiration, just seeing her throughout the years doing her damn thing, not caring about anybody. Like, I want to do that. And I feel like if I did tell stories about my life, which more cliffhangers, guys, um, <laughs> I could also possibly, like, be the voice to help other people, yeah. not just the lonely lesbians in the Midwest, but, like, other people. That, no, listen, dude, that's like terrifically noble. And not only do I encourage you to absolutely follow that, that, that instinct, but uh, I look forward to, to you know, to, to, to being even like a small part of that journey, even if it's this podcast giving voice to, to you know, and here's the thing, right? Like 10 years from now, maybe sooner, right? You could just be blowing up, right? Just Justine Gorney. I learned your name like an hour ago. <laughs> just, you know, and huge lights and audiences adoring you. And I'll always have the the joy of knowing that this podcast was kind of the first time on the record that you sort of did something like this. Yeah, that's the goal. That's the goal. 
Uh, side, just just a, a side note, but don't let me go too far off to the side. Uh, I once went to a, a live taping of Lost Last Comic Standing, and uh, it was during the season that uh, Kathleen Madigan was was on, so I got to her do a, a short. And in fact, you know what? Also, they started the show. I don't know. They started the show with an elimination, so I don't know if they were filming the start to patch onto another one. But if I remember correctly, I. Was it possibly Kathleen Madigan and an aunt? Were they getting? Either way, she stayed, and I think maybe Aunt got eliminated. And uh... that definitely could have been. And it was like because like we just sat down, and I was like, "This is a very this is fucking dramatic." For we just sat down. I don't know if we're in the appropriate space to give them the dramatic whatever. And then uh, so whatever. So there was that. That was cool. Also, uh, there was a comedian. She's, she's funny. She's, uh, <laughs> god damn it, she's like Italian. I think oh, there's a couple of them. She's, uh, I think she's. I, I saw she's got something. Netflix. Natalie, Natasha, Natasha, maybe Leggiarmo, or I can't say her uh, last name. She's, not her, but I like her a lot. She's one of the best Italians. Whoever she is, and and, and, and you know, I, I I can guarantee you she's not listening to this podcast. But if she is, I'm so sorry that I'm. I can't think of your name. Anyway, um, so one of the things about Last Comic Standing, which I'm sure you observed. Tammy Pascatelli or whatever. It, yes, her. Yes. Her, I like Not her. or whatever, because she is fantastic. Yeah, just because we're, we're, I was, <laughs> I, listen, I couldn't remember her name, so thank you so much. <laughs> I feel like we just earned something. <laughs> so, uh, so just by virtue of watching the show, I'm sure you probably figured out the same thing I did, which is, you know, they, to a certain degree... You know they've got they've got their material, but then the longer they're on the show, they either have to like parse it out or they've they've got to come up with new shit because mm-hmm. I've I've used my material right. So I I feel like the day that I was at the live taping, Tammy Pescatelli, something ish. I I know she's not listening. <laughs> on the off chance, I'm so fucking sorry. I you deserve much better than me, fucking up your name. Um. She was doing what felt like, like, like a brand new bit. Possibly wrote it that week because she needed something for that particular time. And even though I'd never done stand up, I can appreciate that. You know, when you're doing something new or you're working it out, maybe you haven't done it before. Um, it's you know maybe it's not quite polished yet. Maybe it's maybe it's just a bit that's not going to work out. Maybe maybe you're gonna you know take it out of the rotation before long. But it, it, but we're but we're there. I was with a friend of mine who also loved the show. And I think we got up at like five in the morning to make sure that we got seats and stuff. And she's doing whatever this bit is, but it's not working. And and again, you know, like, even though I've never done stand-up, I can totally appreciate you're doing something new. You're possibly trying for the first time on this competition show. And so partly because... You know what? I won't even pretend to be magnanimous. Mostly because we we got lucky enough that we were in the front row. And I thought we could probably get on TV. I would love to get on TV. So during this bit she was doing, there, it, there was a certain rhythm to it. It was a sort of thing where there was like she would come back to a, a refrain and whatever, whatever it was. I, I know I'm fucking the story is still going to be the same. Again, apologies to Tammy Pescatelli. So, 
so she was she would get to the refrain there was sort of like a the beat of like this is the the funny part and so i i started um laughing as animatedly as i could with the hope that the producers and the cameras would find the person like laughing and i didn't want to tell my friend what i was doing but i wanted him to join me so when i was in the middle of a big animated laugh i would elbow him and then he figured out what i was doing and then he started doing like a big animated laugh with me and then uh i i i uh, a few episodes back several episodes back um, uh, interviewed a, a friend of mine who's gotten into stand-up comedy over the last year and a half, two years, uh, Emma Arnold. She's outstanding. I was telling her this story on the podcast, and she was like, oh, you were, I believe she said, you were, you were seeding. And I was like, why? That's the thing? She's like, yeah, that's what they call it in a comedy club if there's no laughing. You basically plant, like, laughter seeds, and somebody will start laughing with the idea of getting everybody else to laugh. So that's what happened. I didn't know that's what I was doing. I was just trying to get on TV. But apparently I was seating. And I got, I got the rest of the, the theater. They started like, they were like really into this bit. And the thing is, I, I don't, I don't even, I don't, I don't know if it's appropriate to say that I felt bad. But the truth is I felt bad because I was in the front row. I had a great view of Tammy's face. She was so fucking happy because in her mind, this it is fuck. This is killing. And in my heart, I was like, "Oh fuck!" I was just trying to get on TV, <laughs> and now the crowd. And so then I, I just, I just sort of imagined like, like how long did she like take this bit out? And she was like, "This worked. This killed on Last Comic Standing. This crowd doesn't like it." And you know what? Maybe she polished it. Maybe, maybe, maybe it did work all of a sudden. By the way, I told you like 15 minutes ago, don't let me go too far off. Oh. <laughs> I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm just fucking with you. See? You're not in trouble. <laughs> but so what I was going to tell you, hey, I saw a taping of that and Kathleen Madigan was there. That was the story. That's awesome. And Bill. then you were supposed to stop me and they were going to get yes, back. Yes, well. Back to you, though. So. Fuck, this is my fault for getting too far off. I know we're talking about stand-up, and I know we're talking about the inevitability of you doing stand-up. Uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll 100% be there. Let me ask you this. Um, do you want seeding? Seed, seeding, seedling. I don't know what the appropriate word is. I know it involves seed. Would you like laughter to be planted as, like, seeds? Or, or, or... Even if I think you're fucking hilarious, you're like, don't laugh. <laughs> I don't want your laugh. I know I can make you laugh. You shut the fuck up. I want to see if I can make them laugh. How do you, what do you think? Man, that's a good question. I really have to think about that. Like one part of me wants like just the honest, authentic action. I don't think I'll ever tell you not to laugh because mm-hmm. I kind of want that validation a uh-huh. little bit, but yeah, I probably want seeding. The fear of rejection is much greater. Let's <laughs> cut the bullshit. That's a great call. Listen, there's an honorable way to do it, <laughs> and then there's the smart way, and that's that's. I think that's the smart way to do it. Yeah, I'll have uh, I'll have paid seeders in the audience just in case, so we'll never know if I'm actually making it. You know what we should do one day? Oh, you would fucking love this. Okay, so, um, let's see. Oh, what the fuck's it called? theater it's in los angeles oh my god it's kind of famous i i i can't remember anything today this is where i need to know chanel's got a terrible memory but she would remember this 
<laughs> Whatever. It, uh, so there's a wonderful theater. Did you watch Sarah Silverman's most her newest stand-up special? I uh, think so. The theater that she's in that I just can't fucking remember, even though I've been there several times. Okay, yeah, I know what theater you're talking about and can't think of the name either. So she does, uh, she does a, she has a st- standing comedy show there that she does every month. It's like one, it's like a Thursday out of the month or something like that. It's like Sarah Silverman and Friends, and it's awesome. And it's and it's a, it's a different show every time, where she just showcases just her comedian friends. And it's and then there's generally not like a list. It's just you just know it's gonna be Sarah Silverman and friends. So you'll see a combination of like like uh Natasha Leggero, right? The first time I ever ever saw her was at the show I never even heard of her now like now it's like, oh fuck, there she is again. I didn't know that. That's awesome. And she's and it's great, she's like fucking hilarious. I was like, of course, I should know who she is. And of course Sarah Silverman has funny friends that she invited to do this. Of course she's hilarious. But then there'll also be like um, famous people. And the other thing is like, so it's it's always a great show. Sarah Silverman always goes second to last. And then you sort of kind of know that whoever, whoever, whoever comes in last, it's generally going to be a surprise. And usually it'll be the most famous person. So like one time after she performed, she brought out Russell Brand. And we were like, holy shit, Russell Brand's here. <laughs> we just showed up for the show, and Russell Brand's fucking here. This is amazing. There, uh, apparently, Louis C.K. showed up on the show. I wasn't there for that one. But there was one show where... This is why I need notes, but whatever. <laughs> Good comedian. Successful. Well-known. I can see his face. Can't think of his name. The, whatever you know what for the sake of this story his name probably doesn't matter because he was bombing and i don't even know that it was his fault because like but it just wasn't whatever he just wasn't connecting but in the audience i heard somebody what i understand now is they were seeding or seedling i don't know whatever they were planting seeds of laughter <laughs> but i recognize a laugh as a very very distinctive laugh and also because he performed earlier on the stage. Um, but it was uh, Jeff Garland who, uh, curb your enthusiasm, you'd know him mm-hmm. as the manager. But it was like super distinctive. And like, he was like sitting like right behind me. I was like, holy shit, that's fucking Jeff Garland behind me. And, 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 and you know, but my, at the time my impression was, you know, nope, it, it, was, it, was, it was awkward. Like nobody was laughing. It was, it's it's a horrible thing, right? Because you're watching somebody up there plying their craft, getting nothing, and they're, they're, it's clear to him that they're getting nothing. He's getting nothing, and he might have even made a few. I you know I don't even think he like said anything shitty. Just that he, he he probably made a few comments. That it was clear that this just wasn't working out. But then in the very back, Jeff Garland just fucking belly laughing. I'm pretty sure now I understand he was seeding, but at the time it felt like. He's genuinely amused by his friend doing stand-up. He's probably seating though. Either way, I'm going to be your Jeff Garland. I think that was my point. <laughs> I'm your Jeff Garland. Here's the thing. You don't need validation from me because you make me laugh every day. So you already know you can make me laugh. Oh, stop it. But that said, it's probably going to be genuine. But even like I'll, I'll find just the right decibel. To make sure <laughs> that everybody else realizes this is what's happening. This is good. 
but this is good. I'm, I'm excited about this, partly because I'll get to live through you because I'm not going to do, I'm not going to do stand up. I've sort of, I feel like I've made that decision in my life. And yet, I don't know. Once you in, never know. Th- that's the thing, right? Once in a while, there's a part of my brain that's like, I don't know. Life is kind of fucking long. It is. Who it knows? is. It's possible. I don't imagine I'll do it. But, you know, and we're, we're back to that thing where I feel like I'm talking too much for your episode. <laughs> but I'm sure you agree with this. Then this is, this, is, this is me passing it off to you so I can stop talking because I feel like I'm talking too much on your episode. Sometimes you'll see a comedian on TV, Netflix or whatever, and they're both brilliant. But the thing that they're doing, you're like, not even in the like, that's easy, but just like, I, I think I can do what they're doing. Yeah. Like they're doing something and I fucking love it. But I, I also feel like I can do it. Like when I watch, when I watch, you know, I don't know, when I watch, uh, when I watch the Avengers, I was like, this is great. I can't do that. I have no fucking idea how to do that, but I'm really enjoying this. But then sometimes I'll watch a certain community. This is fucking great. And I think I understand how to do that. I could probably, right? So you've probably felt that. A little bit, but a lot of it is also, I really want to, but can I really? Uh, but I'm going to. Like, I have to at this point. Um, yes. You absolutely can. And... I don't know what this is worth because I don't... So, okay. I've never done stand-up. I mean, I've, I've... I've... I've spoken in front of a lot of audiences. I've definitely done that. Usually... Usually in the context of... I don't know. I, I'm a writer, and these are people who want to learn about writing or publishing, so I've been invited to talk about whatever... Um, so I, I definitely enjoy talking in front of people. I've gotten laughs, but you know, whatever it's, it's, it the, the stakes aren't the same, right? Cause like, if you're not supposed to be funny, then getting a laugh is, it's, it's almost like you, you, you'll get a laugh just cause they weren't expecting it. But if you're in a standup, you know, if you're on a standup stage, they're expecting the stakes are way higher. It's way higher. So, so it's and you have to like put your whole heart on your sleeve basically I, to yeah. make it authentic and people to react. Totally. So here's my offer, and I and I prefaced it with it might be worthless, <laughs> uh, but because we both love stand up and we both grew up admiring it, and we both it's probably just because we watched so much of it, it's just sort of embedded in our in our in the marrow of our bones in ways that we don't even realize. Um, in so much as you're willing to accept it, I would love to, to, to help you write some stand-up. That is not worthless. Okay. Um, <laughs> that would be the most incredible thing ever, especially because I'm such a fan of your work. I think we can make something. Because here's what I'm thinking. So Larry David, you know, yes. did stand-up, but he didn't get famous <clears throat> doing stand-up. Ultimately had his biggest success relatively late in his career slash life as a co-creator and writer of Seinfeld. And the way he and Seinfeld got together, you may very well know as a fan of comedy, is they were friends anyway. They were at some kind of a party. And I forget the exact context, except that um, it was either at this party or doing an actual show. Either way, um, 
Jerry Seinfeld was doing some of Larry David's jokes on purpose. He was like, hey, do this thing. And it worked terrifically. And then so then they kind of learned through that that, uh, you know, Larry David's voice and his writing voice um, very much fit, fit, you know, what Jerry Seinfeld was doing. Um, Not that, and I don't think that Larry David writes Jerry's stand-up, but they kind of learned that, you know, oh, they had this sort of, they shared a brain similar to, to you and I. And so while Larry David doesn't necessarily do stand up and he wasn't necessarily on camera, you know, he would help write this show that was, you know, one of the biggest of all time. Um, so along with being your, your, your Garland, I already forgot his name. I fucking <laughs> said his name 10 minutes ago and I can't think of it all of a sudden. You would think I was doing drugs this morning, but I wasn't. Oh, Jeff. So along with your Jeff Garland for seedling, I would love to be your Larry David. Does that make me Seinfeld? A hundred percent. I'm one hundred percent on board. If I get to be Seinfeld, you're Seinfeld. I'm Larry David. Because for me, I, I I have the safety of I get all the joy of writing comedy with you, but you take all the risk. Yeah. Are you okay with that? I am absolutely <laughs> okay because I think the reward of potentially making people laugh is worth it. This is good. And you know what else is good? We we already verified like a half hour ago. <laughs> we have no notes in front of us. We're just shooting the shit. I think something just happened here. Yeah. Something I beautiful. Think so too. Something beautiful. Historians, one day, they're going to go back to episode 67. There's going to be documentaries, comedy documentaries, and where they're going to gather footage. And there's going to be this recording. And they're going to be like, can you believe it? We have a we literally have an audio recording of the day that Justine and Martin figured out their destiny. Or Gorney and Lestraps. Usually they do the two last names. I don't we're gonna have to find out something. Maybe make up some names. Something. Huh. You know, I mean, you know, and everybody knows that, you know, she's she's the performer and she's on the stage. And, and, you know, Martin, he doesn't, he's not worried about the, the spotlight. He's just happy to see his friend succeeding, uh, something like that. And so we, we, so we recorded that. This is, this is, this is nice. This yes. is historic. This is good. It's going to be a great episode of My Drunk History one day. <laughs> I've only seen one episode of that, but it was the Las Vegas episode. They're all fantastic. And, and it's, I, I know I'd love all of them. But uh, but the Las Vegas one is, I mean, technically it's my favorite, but it's the only one I've seen. But it's, it's hilarious. It's a good one to see. I watched it more than once, and I've shown it to I think my parents when we're in town. <laughs> I was like, you've got to watch this. I think my dad fell asleep, but technically he falls he falls asleep during everything. <laughs> it's maddening. It's like I I really want you to fucking enjoy this, but whatever. Maybe you'll get five minutes out of it before you nod off. It's not personal. I know that. Um, I couldn't tell if my <laughs> I don't know if my mom could make heads or tails of it, drunk history, because she she's got a good sense of humor. But I don't. It might have. I'm I'm usually a good. In general, I feel like I'm a good uh, a good gauge of what folks would like. So, so like there's some people who are there like you know, if they fucking love a band, they want to make you listen to it without really understanding if you'll like it or not, or if they fucking love a movie or whatever. So I don't do that. Like, I, I'm i very conscious of sort of, you know, 
say like your sensibilities and what what you sort of like in your entertainment Mm -hmm. so i feel like if i was going to ask you to watch something specifically if it did involve lesbians it would definitely be (laughs) something that's like listen no lesbians but you'd have to have like a 10 page thesis (laughs) and a strong argument to get me to watch it and i'll do it and i would do it because i would know you will you will enjoy this uh, and I'm I'm good at that, but once in a while I miss. And I was so my mom, I was kind of gauging her response to Drunk History. I was like, oh fuck, did I just totally miscalculate this? Because I don't think she knows what to make of this. And I'm not certain she's enjoying herself. <laughs> well, that's not cool. I don't want to make her suffer, but whatever. I guess we'll finish it. It's only a half hour. Yeah, I like that you have those sensibilities though, because I try to make everybody just watch like Wentworth and Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I don't give a fuck who you are. You need to watch it. But like I had a friend who would constantly give me really excellent suggestions, just the best. And I'd be like, oh, you should totally watch this. And they'd be like, that was terrible. Why would you ever tell me to watch it? So (laughs) I try, but maybe I just assume everybody likes what I like. That's okay. That's they right. should. They should. You know, they, they're they just wrong. Should. They don't know they like it yet. Eventually, I'm gonna. Just so you know, Wentworth is 100 percent on my list. Like I'm, <laughs> like I, like I'm not just like fucking with you to make you think. It's the like, reason I'm on the podcast. Like we're gonna keep doing it until you watch it. <laughs> uh, all right. I just happened to look at the time. I guess we should start going ahead and we'll, we'll go ahead and we'll go ahead and wrap up. But uh, not that I want to wrap up. I'd love to keep talking, but we'll go ahead and wrap up. Uh, before we wrap up, though, you listen to the show, so you know it's time to talk about uh, where you do your shopping. So, uh, do you happen to, do you shop on Amazon? I do. All right. Here's what I want you to do from now on, assuming you don't already do it. Before you shop on Amazon, first go to the official website of this podcast, which you'll find at martinlestrapshow.com. Once you get there, go to the shop page. Click on that. You're going to see an Amazon banner at the top. Click on that banner, do all the same shopping you were otherwise going to do. But because you went through the website, Amazon in turn is going to kick back a few pennies our way. And then we get to take those pennies and reinvest them back into the show, which allows us to make the Marginless Draft Show podcast hour as good as we can possibly make it for you, which is what we strive to do week after week after week, including this week, episode 167, with my hilarious friend, Justine Gorney. <laughs> Uh, and it also allows us to, you know, to, to help house the, uh, the illustrious Martin Lestrap Show podcast hour studios, which you're in for the first time. I forgot to ask you, how, how do you, how are you feeling about the, the, the studio? It here? is wonderful. I feel like a professional already and I'm not even doing anything. <laughs> well, that, that's the power of, uh, you, the, of the Amazon banner on the website. <laughs> <laughs> it makes you feel like a professional. I love that banner. Also, if you're not subscribed to the show, how do you listen to the show, by the way? No pressure, but I know you listen to it. Um, I listen to it on my cell phone, really. It's it's my whole life. I'm a terrible millennial and don't own a computer Nothing or anything else. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing I've wrong with that. got an iPad and a telephone. Do you use uh, iTunes? I do. Okay. So, okay, so on iTunes, you, do you subscribe? It's okay if you don't. Yes. Okay. Truth is, it's not okay if you don't subscribe. You have to. <laughs> but you're my guest, so I don't want to make you feel uncomfortable just in case. Good thing that you do because, as you know, every time a new episode comes out, drops right into your list. You don't have to remember it. Like, for example, episode 166 was maybe two weeks ago. Before that, I might have gone a few weeks without an episode because, as I mentioned earlier, kind of you know working on my new book, Dolph the Unicorn Killer and other stories. Um, 
which is coming out. I don't have a release date yet, but sometime this year. Sometime this year. Uh, anyway, because the episodes haven't been coming out every week because I'm doing other stuff, if you're subscribed, you don't have to wonder. It's just the new the new episode pops up. You're like, oh, cool. There's a new episode of, of the Marginal Strap Show. I can't, the name's way too long. <laughs> Which was part of the reason I did that. When I first came up with the name for the show, I don't know if you knew that, I wanted to come up with a relatively long, awkward name. And I figured if, if I made that the name and I said it enough times, it would just sort of become the, the title. Cause it, it works. Cause I, it could have just been the Martinless Trap Show, but that's not fun. Or the Martinless Trap Hour. Or the Martinless Trap Show Podcast Hour. Okay, now we're on to something. Exactly. Um, there was years ago, even though we're technically after wrap up, but whatever. <laughs> Uh, I did a, a sort of a short film project with my brother and it was, it was a kind of like a man on the street talk show where we actually went out on the street. He made me, I, 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 I created some sort of, uh, vague foreign character. I was doing some accent that I don't even know what the fuck it was, <laughs> but we were like, on the street, like legit, and he was making me talk to strangers as this vague foreign character, and um, asking asking them about love, and because uh, my this guy loved love and he wanted to talk to people about love, but so uh, in any way, for the title in my head, I liked the idea of the idea of the title in my head was I wanted it to be a title that maybe in his language was reasonable and then when it translates into english it sounds kind of weird so it was called the happy show fantastic <laughs> that's wonderful and so my inspiration was whatever his language is it's a much more reasonable title but in english it sort of sounds funny so i wanted some version of the happy show fantastic so that's why the marginal strap show podcast hour is my homage to to that <laughs> Which came because I couldn't even say my fucking title because it's too long a couple of minutes ago. Uh, iTunes Stitcher Radio. Also listen to us on Stitcher Radio. Uh, go to stitcher.com. You can subscribe to it. Um, I recently, a few weeks ago, saw that uh, Pod, Podknife, I think that's the name, they picked up the show, which is cool. Podcat picked up the show, which is nice because I like saying Podcat. Podcat is a, a great name. Um... What else? We talked about Amazon. We talked about subscribing. I guess that's about it. I think this is the point where uh, where I show gratitude, genuine gratitude. So my just, my just, oh my God, I'm fucking tired <laughs> apparently. My just, Gustine Yorney. I figured I'd finish that. That was pretty close to the Sigourney thing, though, like flowing wise, <laughs> like we're looping it back. Uh, well, listen, Justine, obviously this isn't the last time because clearly we've worked out uh, a whole history that's going to last the next 50 or so years Hopefully. of writing and performing comedy together. Um, my apology. Listen, man. I shouldn't have talked so much. Not a your A good fa- friend once told me, don't apologize for art. God damn it. I wonder who that was. <laughs> I actually don't know who that was. My friend Josiah. Oh, I haven't talked to him in forever. Though, in that so. case, good on you, Josiah. Don't, <laughs> you shouldn't apologize. So, assuming that, well, okay, in that case, assuming that what we did was was uh, 
was art. I won't apologize for it. It's always art. Next time you're going to talk way more. Because <laughs> I'm going to make you talk way more. Yes. Uh, anyway, well, as we wrap up, how are you feeling? How did you feel about your first podcast? Good, good, good. Did you enjoy the experience? Yes. You're looking forward to doing it again. That's more uh, important. I am very much looking forward to it. I like that we left on some cliffhangers and I didn't just we've vomit got, everything up. We've got some stories to tell next time. And also, now that the, now that the audience has a, you know, a nice feel for, for my friend Justine, we'll just get into other stuff. Like, we'll... Well, by will, like I'll watch Wentworth. You've seen it like ten times. I'll watch I it. I was watching it this morning, actually, because <laughs> I was like, "It's been a week since I've seen my girls." <laughs> so you got to watch it again, right? Yes. So then we'll, we'll, you know, we'll talk about TV and movies and comedy, and you know, it won't always be like the uh, the the you know the third degree of me trying to get every single detail <laughs> of your life. We'll, you, we'll actually get to talk about other stuff too. But I mean, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed getting to know you. Hopefully, and I was going to say I was going to ask if we left anything on the table, but we did because you specifically have stories that we're going to come back to. <laughs> All right, well that's cool. Um, oh, here's the other thing. I'm only just now thinking about it, so no pressure. But um, when I have a uh, regular contributors, which I mean, you're you know you're going to be doing this all the time. Uh, they, they, I, I like them to have sign-offs. It started with my friend Liz Hersey. She's uh, my hilarious Canadian skank and hussy, uh, slutty. <laughs> She's married, lovely husband, but, you know, whatever. She knows. <laughs> <laughs> She's probably listening right now and nodding, like, yeah, of course. Uh, she had the first sign-off, and it was her idea, which is uh, later cunts. And I was like, that's great. Oh, that is great. Yeah. And so then Chanel's got her sign off, which is peace out, bitches. It's and, very Chanel. And so then uh, so then after that, I was like, oh, this is, maybe this would be a thing for the regular folks. So then uh, brought Gary Lopez onto the show. And his sign off has become that he can't decide on a sign off. So <laughs> he just fucking makes something up every time, which is kind of funny. So I'm almost, I'm sort of hoping he doesn't land on something. Just his sign off is just whatever fucking nonsense comes out of his head at the end of the show that's going to make me laugh. That said, I would have warned you ahead of time if I remembered. Huh. So we can do it a couple of ways. I can wrap <laughs> up, and then you could say the first thing that comes to mind. Uh, if it doesn't feel good, then the next time we do it, you can do a new one until you come on. Because, like, my sign-off is, you know, until next time I'll see you on the other side, which I barely fucking know what that means. I was I only said it. Because on the very, very, very first show I did, when I was wrapping up, I didn't know what else to say. I didn't know how to end a podcast. And it was something I heard Sarah Silverman say on Jerry Seinfeld's show, Comedians in Cars Having Coffee, something like that. Have you seen that? I think so. It's wonder. It's like a pet project he does where he just... I think I definitely have. Drives with his comedian friends and then yes. they talk and then yes, they, they, yes, yes. they land at a diner somewhere he and sarah silverman were getting breakfast and whatever she ordered was like this huge breakfast that she and jerry were both very impressed with the breakfast that that she was delivered and before she started eating she said i'll see you on the other side and i thought that was the funniest thing i ever heard mostly because <laughs> it was in the context of eating this very large breakfast <laughs> <laughs> and so that was just in my head, and then I and I, I didn't know it in the podcast. I just said that thing, 
And then I figured out, I guess I could just keep saying that. I guess I could so do So basically what you're saying is you want to eat your audience. <laughs> In more ways than you can actually <laughs> know. So here's what I'll do. I'll wrap it up. And then whatever comes to mind, you'll just follow up. And then we'll call it a day. And then we'll do it again next time. And then you may, you may change it. You may It might be the thing that you love. I have no no pressure at all. I feel so much pressure right now. I know you do. I, I built it up way too much. But that's why I'm saying no pressure, even though I know I built it up way too much. So listen, Justine, thank you so much for being on the show. I want to thank all of you for listening, including friends of Justine, who I know have never listened to the show, probably don't even know who I am. But you listen to this because you know Justine's awesome. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you to all my regular listeners. And until next time... I will see you on the other side. Later, losers.